Hi, I'm Laurel. And I'm Riley, and this is Tall Grass After Dark. Hello. So, and that, our, that's our Josh fella. That's our Josh. And this is the inaugural episode of Tall Grass uh, After Dark. And Josh is joining us. Great friend. Has been for a while and recently become colleague at Tallgrass. Um, so uh, Josh's role here on the show is essentially to represent our non-lawyer viewers. Laurel and I can sometimes go ahead. Well, I was just going to say for our lawyer friends at home, he's going to be the reasonably prudent person. Yes, the 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 RPP as we called them in law school. Um, so Josh is here to help guide us through the conversations and questions that a lot of people want to talk about. But where Laurel and I start to uh, veer off and chase legal rabbits and legalese, he's there to object and say, plain language, please. He uh, may actually throw a flag at the table. I'm not sure. Yeah, he might, we may use a gavel out. to bang and shut us up and tell us to rephrase something so that it's, it's actually understandable. We try really hard to describe estate planning uh, in a way that's accessible to everyone. But there are times when like, this is just the language we speak all day. There was long. one time. There was one time when we kind of got lost in it a little bit and, and Josh is here to make sure that doesn't happen again. So, I mean, and, and that doesn't mean I speak for every sure. RPP out there. That is the pressure we want you to put on yourself. But that is the pressure. You are, you, are you down with RPP, Josh? I knew that was coming. Yeah, I'm sorry. You don't need to respond at all. I knew it was coming. Every every listener. <laughs> How has could already I not? Responded. I almost How jumped in there myself. I with that. Not. But okay. I mean, thanks. You're welcome. It's thanks for letting me be a part of this and being able to object. <laughs> I like to object. We yeah. trust your objection. Thanks. Your objections will almost always be sustained. But really, this is about tall grass. So yeah. we wanted to make sure that you all are the ones talking, and, and I can just throw in some jabs every now and then. <laughs> flags objections and stuff but first episode we really just kind of want to know i think i say we all all the fans out there everyone like so many of my you my mom you right that pretty much rounds it out my grandma Your grandma's gonna my listen. grandma's totally gonna listen to this they're gonna be on there's a i can think of a couple of our close followers who are probably gonna be i'm thinking about you robin and sue well anyway what up josh yeah, and, and and those several people want to know mm-hmm. what what was the how did this start? Yeah, why like, tall grass? Why yeah. why is it so weird? Why is it weird? Why is it in your house? <laughs> why does Bruno run into client meetings and you're all like, I like this? Yeah, mm-hmm. and it'll, it's it is different. It is yeah, it's intentionally fair point. fair point, and and intentionally weird. So. We're now in year five of Tallgrass. We started in March of 2016. I had been working for more traditional law firms at that point. And uh, Laurel was eight months pregnant with our son, Bruno. Um, and most of the other male attorneys, especially that I knew, um, were happy. And this is not a criticism, it's just the reality of it, it's an observation. We're happy to have like their wife and children at home. And then they could during the day go and do their kind of grown up office professional their, their tasks, lawyer work and then go home to the little lady and the kids. Um, fine. I just knew that as we were that close to the birth of 
um, our little boy that I was not going to feel that. I was really going to want to spend time with him and, and be at home. Um, so what I said to Laurel was one day, just kind of on a whim, hey, what if I quit my job and I just start a stay-at-home dad law firm? And uh, she said, I am eight months pregnant. That is terrifying. Um, because at the time, you know, I, I was uh, a civil litigation attorney. He was an estate planning attorney, but we were both working for somebody else. We knew what our income was. We knew what our budget was every month. And now he was suggesting working in a really radically different way and probably cutting our, our income in half. So one thing that I like to kind of tell people as they're trying to understand our dynamic, hmm. right, um, is that we are similar to a hot air balloon, right? And he is the full, full of hot air. Heart, right? Yeah. Uh, so he has the brilliant lift and ideas and I am the ropes and the basket. And so we kind of meet each other because without me, he would just float off into the ether. And without him, I would just kind of on the ground and flop there and do nothing. So um, he had this very exciting, interesting, terrifying idea. And me being the ropes in the basket, I said, okay, I see that you're excited about this. I need this to have a plan. I need us to know like how much we're thinking we're going to spend, um, how much we have before we need to kind of back out of the situation. What are the benchmarks that we're looking for? Um, and if you can do all that for me and you will go back to work for at least two weeks and make sure that you really feel this way, right? Because we have a tiny baby at home. Are you sure that you really want to come back? And you want to work with this I do tiny tend baby to get all the really time? really excited about an idea and then I get bored with it and just move on. Right. right? <clears throat> then I will, I will support you. We will do this. Yeah. So, um, I mean, on the one hand, it's really not an innovative thing to work from home. A lot of people do it. It's not common for attorneys to work from home in a way that means that their clients are also meeting with them there. There are some attorneys who will take administrative days and work from home, but if they're meeting with their clients or whatever else, they've got a conference room in an office and something that looks more traditional. So for us to say, I want to invite clients into our house, there's our baby, let's talk about stuff is weird, right? Mm -hmm. That's not what was common. And most of the attorneys around us were saying, this is not going to work, guys. You're going to starve to death. And, uh, and, and at the time, really what we anticipated is probably there won't be a whole lot of people that want to work in this kind of non-traditional way. But maybe enough people will want to work with us that if I'm still working my full-time job and you're getting those few people that do want to work with us, we're going to be able to make it. Yeah. So I did go back to work. Turns out I did really want to be with my wife and child. So um, Laurel said- Like all the time, know, like every day, really waking up and going to sleep. Hated being away. Hated getting up, going to the office, waiting all day to come back. Um, so Laurel said, yeah, let's give it a go. And, um, it was amazing. Uh, had no idea what to expect. Um, even my optimism was stretched a bit. Um, but we're blown away at the reception that we got. And I, it, it was due to a few different factors, but the reason we wanted to work weird was just to really prioritize each other and our children. Um, and then to invite clients into that space. 
Yeah. So I like how you framed it working weird. Yeah. Because I mean, I think it's pretty accurate, but not bad. Yeah. What were people saying? I'm, so you're going back to work at a firm and you're saying, my husband's going to start working from home. He's an attorney. Uh, I mean, were there any reactions? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, for me, it was kind of like, oh, that's so sweet. You know, like, I'm sorry about that, but like, you're going to be okay. You're a good attorney. So you're going to pull it through, right? Well, then said no thanks. Yeah. She did not like people responding that way, no, first I of all. kicked her under the table. Oh, well, don't do that. Well, I didn't mean to. Okay. Just, yeah. Come here, Luna. Luna. Come here. So she's a frequent flyer in our client meetings <laughs> as well. Yes, she um, is. But yeah. So. And then for you, when you went, because he went back to work for two weeks, and then you went oh, and you talked to your boss. Oh, my boss terrified. He said, this is not going to work. You're going to starve to death, and I'll even offer you your job back. If you don't make it for very long, you can come back and work for me. The other thing is like, there's this, the way that we work is not what you're taught to aspire to as a, as a law student and as a young lawyer, right? Like the goal is, um, to make partner at the big firm, um, to have the corner office suite and, um, you know, have your name on the sign and the marble columns and, uh, the, the downtown skyscraper law office. That's what you're supposed to want, right? Um, even the solo practitioners want to have kind of the trappings of, of what that law firm looks like that kind of look, you know, that's, that's what you're supposed to shoot for. The idea that you would intentionally have a job and be on track to do that and then step back and say, what if I just met with clients in my dining room? <laughs> while my little boy was asleep in a car seat next to me and I'm rocking him while I'm talking to clients about long-term care planning, right? That's not, that's not what your goal is supposed to be. So and some attorneys were like, I don't think this is going to work. And the, the attorneys that we went to law school with and that were just starting to work were looking at me like, why would you want this? This and, is crazy. And, and I would suggest that that is really um, kind of a symptom or, or, because of what society teaches us success looks like, right? Success looks like marble. It looks like high rises. It looks like um, stuff that you can see and touch. And it's less about how much time you're spending with the people you're choosing to spend it with. Um, And so that we were intentionally saying, uh, we're not necessarily interested in, you know, a, a marble columns situation. Um, we're not necessarily hoping that our clients pay for parking. Seemed kind of like, are you sure? Like, are you sure? Because you guys are pretty good at this. Maybe you could do that. There's actually, so I hadn't planned on telling the story, but it's one that I tell often when this question comes up in conversation. And it was, it was the moment that I felt like the light bulb went on over my head. I was reading this unrelated blog. It wasn't about law. And somebody told a story that I just called the little red boat story. But the story is that there's this, uh, there's this fisherman in a little Mexican village and he's got a little red boat and every morning he paddles it out into the ocean and he catches some fish and he brings those fish back onto the beach and he lights a fire and he cooks a fish and his family comes around and they drink red wine and play guitar and sing songs and he goes to sleep and does it all again the next day. 
right? So one day this tourist, this American tourist is coming in, he sees him and he says, hey, I think if you got another boat, maybe hired a couple of guys and you both went out and then you went into the little village and you sold your fish, you could make some more money. So, okay, well then what we do? Well, then maybe you'd take that money and you'd go get a loan or buy some, some more boats, maybe a larger boat and hire some more fishermen, go out, catch more fish, go into the market, make some more money. Okay, then what we do? Well, then maybe you buy another boat on the other side of the, another part of the ocean. You got multiple crews going out. Maybe you move your operations into Mexico City and you, uh, you sell more fish and you spread them out through different markets. Okay, then what we do? Well, then maybe you go international. Maybe you get your offices in Dallas or Chicago or New York City and you got boats all over the world catching fish, going to markets, making more money. Well, then what do I do? Well, then you retire to a little Mexican fishing village and every day you go out in your boat and you catch a fish and then you light a fire on the beach and drink wine with your family and play the guitar and sing songs. And the guy said, well, I can skip all of those steps then because that's already the life I've got, right? So for us, success was... It looked like spending time with each other and with our kids, investing in family, being able to do work and be productive in our community, but prioritizing what mattered most to us, which was not the the corner office. It was each other. And um, that's why we worked weird. Yeah. Because we just wanted to, we wanted to redefine uh, what we thought success looked like. And then, and then the other thing that we, try to be honest about as we tell this story is that we anticipated that we would make it you know we we would just barely make it and we would have each other and we would have our children and that was enough and we were so grateful for that and as it happened um the way that we were working um was interesting enough to people that they wanted to work with us more people than we thought would want to work with us. So pretty quickly, I mean, initially he went out on his own and we thought we're going to need to see, you know, six months, possibly he's going to be able to like recoup what he was making. Um, and then maybe by the time we're a year, maybe 18 months out, um, he'll be able to add even more that that's what we hoped, you know? Um, that it like if he had stayed at his job and he'd gotten those regular raises, he'd be there in in about you know a year to eighteen months. That was that's what we thought. And as it happened, enough people wanted to work with us. We were so lucky that I needed to quit my job of civil litigation and come to work with him so that we could we could help work with all the clients that wanted to work with us. Um, so, and that even became like clients in multiple marketplaces. We expanded to Seattle. We brought in multiple attorneys. We had attorneys in Oklahoma City and Stillwater and Seattle and here in Tulsa added support staff for the first time, all within the first couple of years of starting a weird law firm. Right. right. And I think part of that success came down to being very intentional about the story we were telling in our marketing. We we were advised by some folks like now make sure people know that you're a legitimate law firm, right? Mm -hmm. So make your website look like other lawyers' websites and your social media, you know, put on the suit and sit in front of the books behind, with the bookcase behind you. And that's your headshot. Um, and I was just afraid that we would be setting up this expectation that people would be coming to that kind of a law firm and then pull into my driveway and turn around. 
they'd be expecting marble columns and then see, see like our, our little modest stone house, right? pillars and be like, Ooh. Um, so we instead decided from the from the get-go to tell the story of weird work. <laughs> We're there's pictures of me and my little boy in court with the judge. I remember one of my fav- one of my first posts on Instagram was I had to go to court in Rogers County. Bruno was awake. He wasn't napping in his car seat. I was talking to the judge in the middle of my presentation on some probate matter. He threw up on my suit. Right. And I've got this picture of me and the judge and Bruno smiling and throw up on my suit jacket. And I was like, that's what I want to portray. I'm telling people this is what it looks like to work the way that I do. Um, or, so, so that people were not surprised. Yeah. Um, and it was wonderful. I mean, they thought this is, you know, it shouldn't be surprising looking back on it, but because it was so out of the norm. Um, but but people wanted to work with other folks who prioritized the things that also mattered to them, their kids, their their spouse. You know. And and part of our hope was because, you know, when we talk to people about like, why do you work out of your home? I mean, Josh, you're not the first person to ask. Many clients look, kind of sit down and they look around and they're like, wow, so why'd you do this? <laughs> you know, um, in a very, you know, kind, just curious kind of way. And in addition to Riley wanting to work with family and stay closer to family, some of the stories that he had come back with from his estate planning uh, clients, the really tragic tales were places where people were kind of younger and they didn't know about estate planning. It didn't seem important to them yet. And so they hadn't done anything. And then life happened and there was nothing in place. And it made a moment of intense crisis and tragedy much harder than it had to be. And so part of what we thought as we were doing this is, you know, if we make it so that if you have kids, you can bring your kids. Um, you don't necessarily need to pay for parking. You can just come to our house and we'll have this conversation together in our office. And then your kids will play with our kids and we can get you this information and then you can plan however you want to plan. Or if you belong to a community of individuals that doesn't always feel welcome in some places, same-sex couples and transgender individuals and black and brown folks and, and religious minorities in a place like Tulsa, Oklahoma, like atheists and humanists or like Muslims, right? Like this is a place where we're intentionally trying to do something out of the norm. So this is a place where you automatically feel a little bit more welcome and we can help your community, which is traditionally very underserved in estate planning, avoid a lot of the problems that you sometimes get stuck in. All right, so I'm going to jump in here and just kind of talk about how we're going to be able to get into a lot of this stuff, hopefully. It's yeah. not the only episode. And I mean, because I want to break down so many things that you all have said like, uh, around one, like who is state planning normally for? Uh, what even is it? What is what is it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, like what happens when when Prairie or Bruno run into the the, the conference room during a client meeting? I mean, <laughs> all those crazy things that go on. I want to break that down and be able to talk in depth about them. But as a pilot episode, it would be cool to kind of know why why a podcast. You know, why are we putting ourselves through this? <laughs> like and. What do we hope that people will take away? I mean, it's not the expectations 
I mean, I, we might have the expectation that we're just cool and fun to listen to. And, and I mean, people are just going to tune in for whatever. And, At least I am. And get a laugh, right? <laughs> but when, when they're when they're listening, and we hope that people will listen, it's like, what what do you hope they'll snatch onto and, and take away? And it could be a number of things. Yeah. But why a podcast? For, I mean, obviously it fits in working weird. Mm-hmm. But, but talk more about that. Do you have a place you want to start? I've got a few ideas, but I don't want to. You don't want to take all of the ideas I don't want to take out of my all head of the ideas and pretend that they were yeah. your own. Right. Thank you for that. You're welcome. I, so as I mentioned, I'm the ropes in the basket. Just right? say it well. If you say it, say it well. You don't ask for much. Don't mess it up. Uh, so anyway, I would just say that when I'm considering expending the time and the energy to do something, I want to make sure it's going to actually accomplish something. And what I was hoping that this podcast would accomplish is one, Tallgrass's overarching goal, which is, hey, let you know that estate planning is for everybody, like every single person, no matter if you have just a house or not a house or a huge, gigantic house. like Or just your body and a bunch of debt. Everybody needs estate planning. It's yeah. going to look different depending on who you are, but you need it still. And And I hope that as we sit here in our kind of hopefully not intimidating, approachable way, uh, talk about estate planning, that you maybe get a little bit of information that you feel like if you want to ask us a question, you absolutely can. And we will talk about it. We will answer you. Um, that's that's really what I'm hoping for, is that you feel like estate planning can be for you and that you learn about it and that you feel like this is a safe place to ask questions if you have them. My goal, and Laurel's too, but my goal from the very beginning, when it was just me starting this, was that I wanted what I do and estate planning itself to be as approachable as possible by every person. There shouldn't be anything about this that's intimidating. And in order to do that, you have to be a a pretty good communicator. Um, Well, I know, and I really struggled. but communicate in a way that makes sense to the people you're trying to reach. I don't know whether or not, you know, a video series and a podcast about this is going to be the most effective way to go about that. But it seems to me to be one meaningful tool among many to say to people, um, I want you to get to know us and our family and our home so that these conversations about what can sometimes be thick, confusing issues related to navigating courts and tax law and everything else start to sound like the kind of conversation you're capable of having. Um, So the more ways we can think of to communicate to people where they're at, Instagram stories and TikTok videos and podcasts and video series or whatever else to just say, this shouldn't be an intimidating thing, uh, the better. So this is just kind of an experiment. And is this an, a, a meaningful way to introduce ourselves to people and to communicate about the law in a way that makes it more approachable? Because estate planning, just that term, it can seem kind of intimidating. It I wish there like were a lot. better, but there are some people out there trying to get real clever with it, you know, come up with different ways to talk about it. I mean, it is what it is. It's estate planning. That's what we're going to call it. But at the end of the day, what it really is, is talking about what your concerns are, what your hopes are for the people that you care about and making sure that your people have what they need to take care of you 
and that whatever you have takes care of them the way that you want it to. I was cruising the internet and came across Legal Zoom's mm. website and thought, mm. 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 this is much easier. Mm. I can just, mm. I can just mm. download some wills. I can download <gasps> some stuff. And why would I need to go oh. well, to somebody's me. house? I know it hurts. It's a really good, it's a good question and an important question. And yeah. you phrase it however you want to whenever he gives we're, us, we're going. He gives us the fun finger. No, we're going. We're this going. is oh, this is going. All right, that cool. was how I phrased it. That was how you that phrased was it. Excellent too. I thought it was great. I just I wanted you to do that again, but now you don't have to. I don't. Do you have an answer you want to give first? Because I've got like four. She's reacting. I just have like pain and hurt, but you should say words. So I don't have pain and hurt. I feel like Legal Zoom and Trust and Will and a few of those sites play an important purpose. There are people who are just not going to come to an estate planning attorney and pay for that expertise and get something that is going to work as well as it needs to. Um, but why? Okay, sorry. And, and it's a free consultation. Just talk I, to us. Yeah, I, talk, I agree that they should talk to us, but they're not going to. And those people have something, which in some cases is better than nothing. In many cases, it's not, but they're still not clogging up our calendar with consultations that are not going to go anywhere, right? Because they're just going to hear us and then say, well, how much do I got to pay for this? And I could have done this for 20 bucks on LegalZoom. I'm done. Um, and that's fine. So they, they play a purpose in like filtering out folks who would not be coming to see us or even if they did, wouldn't hire us anyway. So cool. Um, but the problem is that they don't know what they don't know. Nobody does. I don't know what I don't know. You don't know what you don't know. It's why if I've got questions about something outside of my expertise, I go find the expert. What we see happen is that a lot of these DIY wills and trusts and powers of attorney try to get used and they don't work how people wanted them to. Um, and it's not their fault. They had a website that told them they were capable of drafting a legal document um, and they paid the website to let them do it. Um, but it's unfortunate that those kind of things get wound up in a lot of ongoing probate litigation or, or power of attorney conflicts or, um, or they just don't allow people to do what they needed, what their loved one needed them to be able to do to really give them the help they need. Yeah, yeah. So what are, what so are some of the things? That- here's my struggle. Sorry to cut no, you off. But this, this is, well, I don't know if I will, but I have, I have things to say. Feelings, problems. Um, okay. And my problem is, I think, that if all you do is go to one of those websites and then you fill out those forms, you come away with it with a sense of, phew, you know, I've got myself covered. I've got what I need. And I just would really want, you know, we are not the only probate uh, estate planning attorneys in the city of Tulsa. There are several other uh, probate estate planning attorneys and we're great. you could just go talk to them. They don't charge for the initial consultation. You could just get information about, you know, what your situation is and have that information, right? Do you even need a, the will you paid for on legal side? Or like, Maybe not. hey, wow, that statutory power of attorney says that you have banking powers. Is that sufficient? Um, spoiler, it's maybe not, right? 
And my, my challenge is, is that people walk away from that situation feeling like, phew, okay, I've done what I needed to do. Everything's taken care of. Um, and maybe they didn't get the advice that they needed to say, be more specific, um, maybe list more than one person. And so when those documents actually need to work, they don't. And so then now the family is in kind of a crisis moment with broken documents. And I just really want them to have the benefit of counsel. Like you don't know your documents aren't going to work while everything's going well. You only find that out in the crisis. And you don't know, you meaning kind of the non-estate planning attorney, you don't know the difference between a document that's going to work and not going to work and, and, and that won't work ahead of time. Um, so it's just a whole lot of people that are heartbroken that come to see us when their loved one has become incapacitated and nobody will accept the power of attorney that they've downloaded um, because it doesn't have the kind of language they need to actually accomplish what they should have known they needed to accomplish the whole time if they had got the right counsel. Um, because, so. you know, so when we do presentations for folks, we do uh, kind of an illustration where we say like, you know, these are Pinterest fails right? You can tell when a professional created this baked good and you can tell when a, an amateur prepared this baked good, right? It doesn't look like Ariel anymore is all I'm saying. And the thing is when you are not an attorney or you're not a legal professional and you're looking at one document and it's called a power of attorney and you're looking at a second document and it's called a power of attorney, they will look exactly the same to you. There's no reason that they shouldn't. But when you go to actually use that document, there might be a different effect. That financial institution may reject that document. And now we're in kind of a crisis moment and we're having to go figure out a guardianship proceeding. So, and that's, that's why when, when people say like, oh, I just went to LegalZoom and I took care of it. It's like, I, I want you to take care of it. I want you to take care of it. I really, really do. I just don't want you to feel like you have taken care of it and you actually haven't. So the, the, one of the main problems we have to overcome is an important role that LegalZoom plays in the marketplace is that it's less expensive than hiring an attorney. So a lot of what we've described so far can come across reasonably as really classist and privileged, right? Like um, if you can't afford to pay a lawyer X number of thousands of dollars to knock out a revocable living trust, you just shouldn't have an estate plan. Like that's not it. And it's part of the reason we've also developed another part of how we work at Tallgrass. Nobody leaves our office without getting their work done because they can't afford it. Right. There are all kinds of reasons somebody might not hire us, but it's never because they can't afford it. If somebody comes to us and they say, I need to get this done, I'm worried about trusting myself to go do a DIY will or a trust, but I need to get this service. Laurel and I just do it for them. We're not here to like, nickel and dime, a whole cascade of discounts. Like, here's how much you can pay us to do this. If you can't afford us, we'll make sure this gets done for you because we would rather donate the work to you to get this done than have you go use your own legal knowledge or lack thereof to create your own attempt at an estate plan that's not actually going to do what you need it to do. So if attorneys, in my opinion, if attorneys like us are going to criticize that, we need to acknowledge that one of the important things about it to people is that it's cheap. And if we can't help them get what they need in a way they can afford, then we don't really have much room to criticize the services that are trying to meet them. But I will say, truthfully, you know, in the city of Tulsa, there's an estate planning community of attorneys that I rely on, that I trust. And they are 
motivated in a similar fashion. And so if somebody comes to them and they truly need a document, we're all going to work with you. I only know of a handful of attorneys that would essentially say, if you can't afford me, I'm not going to work with you. Right. Most of them, most of us would be willing to say, if you need it, we'll do it for you. Yeah. So just talk. Yeah, just talk to somebody. That's all I'm suggesting. For me to effectively say things, it's it's less about that. Do you have a Riley's rant just ready to go to kind of give us the spirit of it? Mm, Do you? I have a wilt with. Well, can we maybe let the dog in before we get out there? Yeah, let the dog. I let it out. But we can do that. Can we let it in? What if I just say, this is legal Zoom. Legal get it, get it. <laughs> I, I was on the internet the other day and uh i needed, had these targeted advertisements and they seemed appropriate right i i mm. needed i know i need a will and so i'm like legal zoom i i mean it's right there it's easy it's, print it off done oh i die uh, <laughs> he oh it hurts me it's pain uh legal zoom more bang for your buck. Whoa, yes. So oh, loud. Look at that guy. Cool. I'm in the corner for sure. <laughs> Losing your religion. Losing That's religion. me in the corner. That's me in the spot. <laughs> like legal zoom. Should we, should we pour this into a cup? Or are we okay to like have the branded thing? Does that matter? Corona. This is brought to you by Corona. I don't think Corona is going to find our podcast and be like, what are you doing? Get that shit off that table. That's right. They'll consult legal Dreaming big. Yeah. They'll send us a cease and desist letter and be like, I don't think that's it. All right. The legal Zoom question. But we. Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. Okay. Let's let you ask. Oh, just let me do it. Okay. Jesus. <laughs> How you want to ask it? Well, uh, we'll listen to that, then you can ask it. <laughs> I love this so much. Ask it like three times, I'm and I'll choose which this. one. But the question is, why would you all have done a podcast? Yeah, that's right. These moments right here. Yeah, I doesn't. I, I didn't care what happens next. That I, wasn't. Yeah, no, no, it's not what I would sure. say. But yeah, I mean, that's what you said. That was one of them. <laughs> shit. I don't. Know. I mean. <laughs> There's, there are multiple reasons why everything The happens. microphone breathing is one of them. <laughs> <laughs> Look at Jesse. So. Yeah, you do. Yeah. Are, we, are you recording? Gorgeous audio, Jesse. Oh, okay. Look at him. Oh, his little wrinkled brow. So, it's hurting him. The other Stop. Day, though, Stop. The other day, oh, though, I.